Good morning. Man, I'll tell you, perhaps hitting a little too hard this morning was my uh, son, who about 35 seconds before I hit record on this podcast just now, I said, hey, buddy, I'm going downstairs to record a podcast. What? Going downstairs to uh, record a podcast. I'll be just downstairs. Why? <laughs> but I, I don't know the answer either, buddy. Hit me a little too hard. Why? Why am I? Why? Why? Can I tell you why? Because I've been. Because th- I'll be honest with you guys. The 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 numbers on this podcast. It's uh, we float around a thousand listeners or down. I should say around a thousand downloads. I don't know if a thousand people are actually listening or not, but about a thousand downloads. Okay. Now, there's probably some people who just have it set to automatic download and they just delete it every time they see it, so they're not listening. On the other hand, there's maybe some people who don't have it set to download. They seek it out, they listen to it. But, you know, it's a thousand people. That's a lot of people to me. I'm, I'm honored. That's, a, that's absolutely flattering to me that that many people listen to this. I think that's fantastic. Now, that being said, it's not really enough to ever make any money on the podcast. Now, you might be saying, but... Paulie, I have been listening to this podcast since day one, since you left radio. And when you left radio, you always said you were never going to monetize this podcast. Listen, it's still true. Okay. And not, first of all, advertisers are not exactly knocking the door down to reach a thousand people. Okay. But it did happen again this week. I got approached. It's officially, I'll be honest with you. It's not a big deal. It's three years. And it's only the third time that I have been contacted as a, would you take a, uh, an advertisement? We're interested in advertising on your podcast. Um, and I did once again turn it down. And as I do it, I think to myself every single time, I think, geez, am I making a mistake? But it goes back to the thing I used to say. And I don't think I've said these words for years. I don't want it. I don't want to be beholden on this podcast. I just want to be able to kind of just do whatever I want for as long as I want. And it is what it is, right? But anyway, my son asking me, why? Why do you have to go do the podcast right now? It made me think, like, why? Why? I do think every once in a while about giving up the podcast. I do. Or just popping on once in a while. The problem is, I feel like if you only pop on, excuse me, if you only pop on once in a while, I feel like that will crush it for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if it's just not a reliable, hey, he comes out with one episode a week, then that will will dwindle it down big time in terms of people who actually give a shit. But at the same time, I don't know, being being um, constantly sitting here going, well, it's Sunday morning, time for a podcast. Like, who cares what I have to say on a Sunday morning? Nobody cares, or do we? Do we care? I'll give you what I'm thinking about. I did a, a few events over the weekend. I did. Uh, I was involved in the Holy School of the Holy Childhood's annual fundraiser called Wine at Center Ice. Set a booth up there. Now on that exact same night, I emceed a gala out at Ravenwood in Victor for the Serenity House, which is a beautiful, beautiful cause. I really love that. I love that. And we had such a magical moment happen there too. So I'm a big fan of Serenity House because if you don't know what that is. It's a it's a home. It's an actual house in uh, I believe it's in Victor, Farmington, maybe it's some, somewhere in that area around Victor. Um, it's got to be in Victor because that's where we hold the gala. So I'm sure it's in Victor. But anyway, it's this beautiful little house, kind of out in the country, um, where people go and spend their last days. And uh, you you know if you're elderly and and you have a terminal illness and you have just 
a short period of time to live. The Serenity House is where you go. And it's not just that you go there and get to live in this beautiful home and have this beautiful um, you know, they, they've got beautiful, just absolutely beautiful landscape. You go out on your porch and you can just kind of like oversee the, a beautiful landscape and you're looking out into the woods and it's just peaceful and just, you know, it's full of serenity, really, truly. It's just a peaceful, beautiful country house where you live out your last days and they have medical professionals on hand at all times. And, um, I think that the thing that puts it over the top though is, they also have a little bit of a make-a-wish factor where when they do get new residents who they always know are going to be with them for only a short period of time, they will tend to try to make a wish or dream or two come true of theirs. And so um, sometimes it's funny. I think I remember they were telling me, this was last year I heard this story, but some guy who wanted one last trip to the casino, so they figured out a way to get him to the casino for one last trip to the casino, right? And there was another, uh, I think this was a woman, I remember this story, who had a horse, um, grew up with horses, loved horses very much, and had had to give up a horse when she got sick. And they arranged for the horse to come out and visit her one last time. Oh, my God. These, I can't even tell any more of these stories without crying. But Serenity House is such a great charity. And while we were there, uh, Jay and Judy uh, Vanderstein did a $25,000 match. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? They have their own little foundation. Jay and Judy, uh, Julie, Julie, not Judy, Julie. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Julie. Jay and Julie uh, Vanderstein have their own uh, foundation, and so they gave it out of their charitable trust foundation. They gave a twenty five thousand dollar donation that night. Isn't that crazy? When you see people do something like that, I mean, twenty five thousand dollars is a, is a splendid vacation, right? And somebody decides to give it to a cause instead of a vacation. I just think that's the most beautiful thing in the world. I really do. I think. If you are lucky enough, and I know nothing about Jay and Julie's professional lives, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's none of my business. I'm going to talk now about myself and, and any other business now. This is just generic. It's talking about any other business. I think if you, if you are operating a for-profit business and you are making a profit, that you do have, I believe, that you have a an actual requirement. I think there is a moral requirement to give back, to have some sort of a donation budget. And that's going to be different for every business, every size. That completely depends on what you can afford. Uh, and, and I think if you're a very, very small business with very little profit. I, now, first of all, if you're a business that doesn't have a profit, you're a business in trouble, then absolutely I have no problem. I understand if if you if you're not making money and your business is in trouble or if you are really trying to get this thing to work and you are you know break even or even operating in the red i get it things like marketing and advertising and donations those are the types of things that you can easily kind of not spend money on right but but if you're profitable i think you have a a bit of an obligation to give back in some way. That's something that's inside of me that I believe that not everybody agrees with. It's not a rule that's written anywhere. It's just up for debate. It's a subjective opinion. That's my opinion. But I believe you do have a, a requirement to give back. And so anytime I see that, anytime I see someone who's done well in life and who has decided they're going to give back, I think it's wonderful. 
I just think it's really, really where our hearts are supposed to be. So anyway, holy. then I got back. So I went to <laughs> – I set up for the Holy Childhood. Then I drove out to Ravenwood. The Holy Childhood was at the Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex at MCC, which, by the way, I didn't even realize Bill Gray's isn't there anymore. I, I think it's still called Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex, but they used to have an actual Bill Gray's on site there, and that's not there anymore. At least it doesn't look like it's there. So then I was out to um, – yeah, Victor, and then back to the Holy Childhood thing to break down my booth. Next morning, down to Bath, New York, Saturday night, or Saturday morning, excuse me, went down to Bath for a, a Rotary District meeting. Because now that I'm in that funnel of, like, president-elect, elect, and a couple of years now of being the incoming president, then the president, then the immediate past president. There's going to be a couple years of obligations that I have to the district. But the truth is I haven't really done much of anything in my rotary career with the district, and um, I enjoyed it. I, I don't want to get all super rotary nerdy right now or anything, but rotary is just a great group of people. It's like, it's, you know, they ask you, they say, well, what's your why? Why rotary? Right? Because people ask all the time. They say, what is rotary? And I always say it's my why is the relationships – so the easiest way I can put this in less than 10 seconds, Rotary is basically a group of business people who have decided what the thing that I said earlier is true. And that is that if you're going to be successful in business, that you have an obligation to give back. And then every Rotary club has its pet causes. And so the one I'm in is Rochester Rotary, and our pet causes are school number eight in the city, and then also the Sunshine Camp out in uh, Rush, which is a camp for uh, differently abled uh, kids. So there's like Diabetes Week, Autism Week, Cancer Week, et cetera, et cetera. And um, one of the things that I love about that Sunshine Camp is that you hear these stories. Like yesterday I was actually talking to a guy who has a son who he described as having severe autism. And he said that uh, one of the, the, the tough parts of the autism is that he won't allow you to clean up after a meal that he can't handle that, that that he can't allow it to be done by anyone other than himself or nobody. It's got to be him and somebody or zero people cleaning up. That's part of the, the you know what's going on in his head. And if you let him help, that he will break things. He's, he's very, you know, he's, he's sort of, um, he said he'll grab knives by the blade and he'll grab them as hard as he can so he'll hurt himself. Or if he's putting leftovers in the fridge, another example he gave is he'll actually throw the leftovers into the refrigerator. So it's very like almost violent, right? So it's like we, we don't clean up. What we do is we get him to bed and then maybe we clean up or if it's been a really late night or a tough day, we'll wake up early the next morning, four or five in the morning so that we know we're waking up before him and that's when we'll clean up from dinner. And he was explaining that to me. And then he was telling me that those two weeks where his son goes to camp, he loves his son. He said he loves his son more than anything in the world. But those two weeks where his son goes to camp are the only two weeks that him and his wife get to go back to what it was like 15 years ago before they had that son and live a quote unquote normal life. And boy, does that strike me. And so I asked this guy a couple of questions because one of my favorite things that I hear about is when uh, people first drop their child off at the camp 
and um, they typically don't think it's possible that the camp can handle their child. So this is one you hear all the time, right? Okay, I'm going to bring my son to camp. You've got me convinced. I'll be there. It sounds great. Here's the problem. You guys are underestimating how difficult my child is. Their disability is just too severe. I, uh, I'm i going to get a hotel room right down the road so that I can be here as soon as you need me because there's just no way that you guys aren't going to be calling me within an hour saying I need to come pick him up. Well, guess what? It doesn't happen. More often than not, that parent ends up calling the camp a few hours later going, why aren't you calling me? And the camp is going, excuse me, what? Uh, what? What? And they're going, well, what are you doing? It's been four hours. My, my, my son, he's, he's probably in trouble. What are you doing? Call me. And they're going, he's not. He's having the time of his life. He's with his people. Right? He's sitting here with people who are him. He's normal. For the first time in his life, he's the normal kid. And then guess what happens two weeks later when the parents show up? They don't want to go home. They don't want to leave the camp. I love these stories. There's so many stories like that. So anyway, what is Rotary? People always ask, like, well, what is Rotary? Well, Rotary is a group of people who uh, there, there's something that there is a requirement to be in Rotary. Um, and this is just for my club, Rochester Rotary. I think other clubs might have different requirements. But in general, across the board, most Rotaries are going to require you to be a business person who has seen some kind of success. Now, that used to be that you had to be the president or CEO of a business or the owner of a business. Those standards have kind of relaxed over the years, and it's become a little bit more of – there was even a time, and I think this might still kind of be a thing, where you had to have direct reports – just basically mean meant that you had to be in in management of some kind. Um, I actually think at this point, it's it's relaxed to the point where it's sort of like you have you have to show that you have some momentum going professionally. It, it, it's not you're no longer required to be the owner, CEO, boss, whatever. It, now it's a little bit more of like you know we want to know what your professional life is like. We want to see that you've experienced some success in your professional life because at the end of the day, we want leaders. Rotary is supposed to be sort of an all-star team of leaders who are working towards the goal of making the world a better place. And then, of course, those are just the club objectives, what I just told you about the camp and school number eight. And school number eight is the type of thing where you might say, well, what do you guys do at school number eight? Well, uh, the, the we, we'll go read books or like uh, conferences. Unfortunately, the children's parents don't show up to conferences. So instead of doing parent teacher conferences at night they do them right in the middle of the day the parents don't even show up and so we go and sit there and then when a child is about to have a conference uh you know kind of just a status update which if you don't know what conferences are it's basically when the teacher tells you the general how is this child doing in school right here's a couple of positives here's a couple of uh, opportunities well a lot of times the parents don't show up and then they'll call us in to be the sort of the adult advocate for the child so we'll go in it'll be the teacher the child and then the rotary volunteer sitting in the place of the parent the teacher will say here's a positive here's another positive and here's something that i would really like for you to work on and then you'll get a few minutes with the child afterward to kind of talk through those things and say hey that was so great you know um Hey, Isaiah, you know, I I love that you were 
I love hearing how much you love math. That's great. And reading is so important to you. And I just think that's great. But, um, you know, the teacher was saying that sometimes you don't pay attention during science class. So what's going on? Are you bored by science? Like, what do you not like science? I mean, I get it. Hey, I don't like science either. It can be really boring. Uh, or I didn't when I was your age. But now I do science because it turns out food science interests me. So it just took me. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. So what is Rotary? It's that. Then at higher levels, you have different objectives, and it goes all the way up to, like, there's then there's the district and the area, and then eventually you get all the way up to Rotary International, and the objective there has been the same for close to 40 years, which is uh, the eradication of polio, which is just that Rotary has just dumped a ton of resources into getting rid of polio. And in 2023, granted we're only four months in, but so far in 2023, there's only one diagnosed case of polio in the entire world. And that was in the dozens and dozens not too many years ago. So it's, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. Anyway, what did I want to talk about? I'll be honest with you, I did not plan on talking that much about charities and things like that. Oh, I know what I want to talk about. Twitter blue. The check marks are gone. I'm happy that the check marks are gone. There were a lot of people, frankly, less famous than me with check marks that always made me kind of, kind of snicker a little or laugh. Uh, because <laughs> to me, it always... I remember when Twitter was sort of new. Oh, we have a guest appearance. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Leo, come here, my friend. Can you say hi to the people? Hello. What do you have to say this morning? What are you thinking? Mm, I brought something down. It's a transformer. You have a transformer fire truck, is that? Ooh, that's nice. Anyway, um, so people are on Twitter talking about the, uh, oh, the check marks are gone. And, you know, most people... Like 99% of people say, I will never pay for a blue check mark. Most of them begged for those blue check marks to begin with. I remember when Twitter was new and uh, there was, I want to say like 2007 or 8, Britney Spears Twitter got hacked or something like that. Or maybe 2009, I don't remember. But Britney Spears Twitter got hacked and she... Um, you know, that was like the big TMZ Hollywood story at that time. And it became a what's Twitter. So everyone signed up for Twitter. That was when Twitter had its big boom. And I remember I was in radio at the time. We were in a competitive situation. We were, I was on KISS 106.7, and we were going up against 98PXY. And we applied for our Twitter blue check marks. And we were told, hey, you know, you're a radio personality in Rochester, New York. You're not getting a freaking Twitter blue check mark. This is for famous people. And we were like, fair enough. And like a month later, all of the radio personalities from Entercom had blue check marks. So we're like, what? And that wasn't the first time, by the way. And I have no idea how that got pulled off. But that was the first time, by the way, that Entercom got busted for cheating on something. <laughs> I'm going to get in big trouble for this because now I've got a lot of friends who either worked over there or still do. But um, I remember this one time also they used to do like a March Madness bracket but with the radio personalities in either the DNC or the city newspaper or something. And they would match us up where it would be like Entercom personalities versus iHeart personalities because there's only three or four companies in town. But it would basically you would never go up against somebody from your same company. It would always be you were going up against somebody from a different company. And all of the Entercom radio personalities just slaughtered everybody in the first round. Like if you looked at the bracket the day that the first round was over, every single radio personality from Entercom advanced to the second round. 
So we were all kind of 50-50. Like half of us were going, well, they had to have cheated, right? And the other half of us were going like, geez, maybe they're, they're that much popular than we are. And I was on that side because I'm like, they wouldn't cheat. Who would care this much about something like this? We get an email. My program director brings it. They print it out and brings it into the office. We get an actual email Daddy. that day. Daddy. Hold on one second. Yes, buddy. Can you come in? Can you come and help me pick out a toy? Well, you see all your toys right over there. Why don't you go ahead and pick one out and let me know when you find one that you love? I bet you're going to find one you really like. So my my boss, Dave Lafroy. He prints out this email that he got from, and again, I think it was City News, but I'm not sure which publication it was, that basically said, oh, you know, we are so sorry. We, uh, we've we looked into the results, and it turns out we think that there was some cheating. You know, I think they put it more professionally. It was something like, we think that somebody figured out how to, because you could vote, and then it would say thank you for your vote, but then you could, like, delete your history or something or delete your cookies or whatever the hell. I don't even understand how that stuff works. And you could vote again. And so basically people had figured out how to vote over and over and over. And so the city newspaper reached out and said, hey, we, we think Entercom did this. It seems unreasonable, the results of this. You know, they had – it was kind of like um, maybe there were a total of a 1,000 votes and like all of the iHeart personalities got like 60 and all of the Entercom personalities got like 940 <laughs> So it was, I think eventually city newspaper went, this is unlikely. Um, This is, it's unlikely that, you know, this, this person, no one's ever heard of from Entercom got a thousand more votes than this person from uh, clear channel or iHeart or whatever. So we got word that they had cheated and, and they set it back to the first round. And then the second time that they did the first round, it was a little bit more even, you know, a couple of their personalities won, a couple of ours won. I got my ass kicked, but I think I, at the time, I was still very, very, very unknown. Who did I lose to? That's right. Mm. Actually, I remember who I lost to. I lost to Mike Danger. Mike Danger. I'd like that, but listen, Danger seems like a great guy. Talked to him a couple times in my life. We get along okay. That's fine. I'd like that battle again. (laughs) I'd like to take that on one more time. Okay. I'd like a rematch. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't the first, that wasn't the only time that happened. I talked about this on the radio one time too. Oh boy, this is a tough spot. Do I have the balls to say who? I don't think, I still don't think I have the balls to say who, but there was another time too, where city news did the bracket or something. And then they had to announce that they had to put off the, the, they had to put off the results because a local pizzeria chain had cheated. (laughs) Had stuff in the ballot box. Those were funny. It is kind of funny when, when that happens, I got accused of that one time too. By the way, and it wasn't true. I was in a contest for small businesses where the winner was going to get a thousand dollars, and it was businesses from all over the country, and it was like a kind of like a March Madness thing. It was like sixty-four businesses from around the country. And hold on, let me make sure I'm still recording here. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, we're good. Anyway, I was in a uh, competition, and um. It was with this hot dog company out of New York City, and all week they were kicking. It was like a, a full week, right? And all week we're just losing, and I'm and I'm putting it on social media. Please vote for us, right? And, like, we're losing. It's like they've got, like, 80% of the vote. We've got 20% of the vote. I finally tell Weez about it, right? And one morning, Weez gives it a plug, 
on the air and he says, how do they vote for you, bro? And I explain what's going on and I, I say, hey, you know, um, this is how you vote. And all of a sudden we catch up and now we're winning. We're winning like 60-40 with one day to go. The owner of the hot dog company finds my email and emails me and accuses me of cheating saying that he knows this was one of the best emails I've ever gotten in my entire life. He goes, he knows, he knows that you can cheat. He knows that you can simply delete your history and vote again. And that that's the only way it's possible that we made this kind of comeback. Now, I wrote this guy back and I said, no, 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 let me explain. I said, I, 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 you know, I, I happen to be a radio personality on a popular morning show and the host gave this thing a plug. And so that's why all of a sudden I got this giant influx of votes. I go, I actually told this guy, I go, I totally get it. If I were you, I would have said the same thing. I would say this guy has to be cheating. All of a sudden he gets this giant surge in votes. And, uh, and then you guess what happened after that? Guess what happened? We took a lead. It was like 60-40 with like one day to go or something. What do you think happened? Yeah, the hot dog company surged and beat the shit out of us. Uh huh. I think the contest ended with them being like 90 to 10. <laughs> the guy wrote me to confess that he knew exactly how to cheat in the contest, accused me of cheating, and then had a mystery surge of his own. Mm-hmm funny i don't even know how i got on this stupid topic twitter blue i think is how i got on it with people subscribing to twitter so i still don't know how they pulled it off but somehow all of the intercom radio personalities got blue check marks years ago when all of the iheart personalities were being told like yeah we really don't verify like local radio personalities and then all the intercom people had it was just weird it might have been that i'm not saying there was a malpractice on that one maybe in that situation, it was like they just blanket granted it to the company and iHeart just never went after it or something. I don't know. I don't know. I looked into it one other time years ago about how do you get the Twitter blue check mark. And it was like, can you show us that you've had press? It was like, here's four things you could do. Either you're instantly recognizable, like even the people at Twitter have heard of you. Or you you have like a significant amount of press coverage or there's somebody else who has a very similar name to you or something. So I was like, well, I have a significant amount of press coverage. And so I thought I could compile. And then I, right before I did it, I thought, no, you know what? I'm not going to do this. This is stupid. There are people less famous than me by about a mile who, who have blue check marks. This is obviously not a well-regulated system. Why am I going to play into it? So I love seeing everybody flip out about it now and a lot of people losing their blue check marks. And what's been really fun has been watching the people refuse to lose their blue check marks. Some people have gone ahead and paid the money and kept the blue check mark, which I think says something about that at all. <clears throat> Cavs Knicks today. Not that you came here for NBA playoff talk, and it's kind of stupid on a podcast that's dated anyway because by the time you listen to this, Game will probably be over, but looking forward very much today. The Cavs, Knicks, Cavs playing for their lives today. I believe it is game four at home for the Knicks where the Knicks – no, no, no. Knicks, it's not – it's a it's a best of seven. Knicks are up 2-1, so the, the Cavs aren't playing for their lives yet. But they can't afford to go down 3-1. That's for damn sure. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Leo and I have a birthday party this morning we're going to for our neighbor Lena. Congratulations to Lena, who's turning, I want to say, four today. So hopefully I will get a shot at some nice sheet pizza for lunch. I'm not having my traditional pasta today on Sunday. I'm actually making arancini today. 
because my mother turns 70 on Wednesday and asked me as a birthday present to come home to Ohio. So I'm driving home Wednesday afternoon to conduct a cooking class for my mom and her friends, and she wanted me to make arancini. And I used to make arancini. I've probably made arancini 10 times in my entire life, which is not a lot. When you think about how many times I've made meatballs or chicken parm, it's like a gazillion times. So, And I haven't made arancini. I want to say I have not made arancini at home since before the pandemic. So I literally made risotto yesterday to practice arancini. Quick recipe. You got it. Risotto recipe. Okay. Arborio rice. I'm going to take oil and butter, maybe a half a stick of butter and uh, a decent amount of oil. And I'm going to saute up some quick garlic and scallion. Onion will be fine, but if you have scallion, that'll work. Um, uh, not scallion. What am I saying? Not scallion. Sorry, shallot. I get the two mixed up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to saute garlic and shallots, which is like the little cousin of the onion. Uh, then I'm going to add my arborio rice. I want to say three cups, three cups of arborio rice. And I'm just going to move that around on a hot skillet. I want to toast to that just a little bit. This is probably only going to be two or three minutes. I just want to make sure the rice gets rice. Each rice kernel gets just like a second uh, of heat, direct, really hot heat. So it gets kind of toasted. Then I'm going to hit it with a cup of wine. I'm going to let that dissolve. The risotto's easy. It's just time consuming because I'm going to throw in my cup of white wine and I'm going to just kind of stir it slowly until the white wine is absorbed into the rice. Then I'm going to have, uh, right next to it, I'm going to have my chicken stock, probably about six to eight cups of chicken stock. And I'm going to take those six or eight cups, and I'm just going to one cup at a time, put them into my risotto pan, and just kind of stir slowly until it's completely absorbed into the rice. Then at the very end, I will do a, a cup of Parmesan cheese, and that's just plain risotto. Oh, and some spices. Like I'll take maybe Italian seasoning and just shake the Italian seasoning in there for, you know, a couple seconds. That's just a, what I would consider to be a plain Parmesan risotto, just plain risotto. Uh, also, if you, if you want to, what's a nice and easy is saute some mushrooms too and then use mushroom stock instead of chicken stock. And now you've got a nice mushroom risotto. And that, that's a little bit more of a meal then, especially if you do that. And on the side, maybe you grill up some portobello mushroom caps or something. Oh, that's a great meal. Great little meal. Anyway, so the trick, though, with the arancini is you want that risotto to be like a day old. Now, there's a trick. If it's not a day old, you can just take the risotto out and spread it on a thin layer like on a cookie sheet. But instead, I take my risotto, I put it in a bowl, and I put it in the fridge overnight. Now, tomorrow, which is now today, I take my risotto out. Now, it's cold. It's starchy. It's rested overnight. It's going to be easy for me to pick it up now with my hands and roll it like a meatball. And then I'm going to just do a standard breading station. So I'm going to roll my risotto. I'm going to dip it in egg. I'm sorry. I'm going to dip it in flour. Then I'm going to dip it in egg. Then I'm going to dip it in a breadcrumb Parmesan cheese mixture. And then I'm going to fry it. I'm going to go into some hot oil. If you can deep fry, that's usually best. But if you just have, if you can't deep fry, then you can just kind of roll it around in a, um, in a frying pan or something in some oil, in some shallow oil. Quick arancini recipe. It's way easier than people think. It's just time-consuming is all. Okay, what's next? DirecTV. I finally canceled DirecTV. Thank goodness. 
Uh, makes me a little bit sad, though, because now I'm seeing the ads for Sunday Ticket on YouTube TV. I just hope that's seamless. YouTube TV has been pretty good. The only thing I don't like about YouTube TV is the more and more we rely on the Internet, the more and more shit just crashes. It scares me. They keep talking about AI coming out and automated cars and just the more and more the computers are doing. It all seems great. They're just like every single time that I think this is going to be wonderful – I, I try to rewind an episode inside of YouTube TV, and if I try to rewind twice in a 30-second period, like if I rewind but I didn't go back as far as I wanted, so I rewind again, it just freezes the whole thing, and I have to like restart the entire Fire Sticks. Just, that kind of stuff is just freaking annoying. What else? Tax extension. We uh, I know. I just made a stupid list here of stuff. I don't even know why I'm still doing this. Uh, we I filed a tax extension for the first time ever in my life. I'm scared. I don't know if that gets me in trouble or not. We did it legally. Did it through the accountant. But basically, I didn't have my K-1 yet through Redbird Market because it was our first year in business. And I got to watch a lawyer and an accountant fight like a couple of 12-year-olds because the Redbird Market account and the Redbird Market attorney completely disagree as to who didn't file the correct paperwork in order for us to be able to file our taxes on time. <laughs> it's not the, it's basically, oh God, I don't know. Do you care about this? All right. So we're supposed to be an S Corp. We're legally an S Corp. And, um, uh, there, there's paperwork that says we filed as an S corp, but there's also supposed to be some sort of a confirmation letter that said that the fa- that the IRS sends back saying we recognize you as an S corp. Um, the attorney is saying I filed all the correct paperwork. I'm not sure why you didn't get the letter. The accountant is saying it's your job to make sure you, we get the letter. The attorney is saying you're an S corp. Stop bothering me. Look, you were filed. Here it is. And the accountant saying you're not an S corp unless they recognize you. S-corp. And but, but 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 it shouldn't even have gone into that. But basically, watching an accountant and an attorney fight like a couple of twelve year olds has been funny. But it ended in a tax extension. So for the first time ever, we did not file our taxes on time. So that sucked. What else did I want to hit? Maybe it's time to. Maybe if I'm reaching to the bottom of my list, that's a sign that the podcast is over. Okay. All right. You know what? Thank you. How long did we even talk here? Yeah, about a half hour. You know, let's call it there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk next week.